On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are celebrating good times. Come on. Please. please Positive vibes it. only. Yes. It has all led to these last two days, Tate, the, the happiest two days of 2020 for me personally. College basketball is back. We, we knew this was happening, but still, just to like actually hear an announcement, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to dissect what we actually know. And as it turns out, we only know like a, a small sliver. There's a sliver. lot of unknown. <laughs> but, it's, but we know something. At long last, we know something. Big Ten football is back. Mm. The Buckeyes are back. Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade are back. Justin Fields is back. Oh, my God. Everybody's <laughs> back. It's all Everybody's happening. Back. I am so excited. The Clippers are frauds. The mm. Celtics are down 2-0 to the Heat. Mm. I, I don't, I don't know where we go from here. But I, th- this is the first time since the quarantine has started that I'm truly very, very excited to do this show, and I'm not begrudgingly sitting down here with a gun to my head and Fox saying, "Find a contract." <laughs> do it. Do Make show. a joke. Talk about the bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm very excited. Like you said, I can't believe that we got to this point. And you know, we are Levar Ball whisperers. We believe in speaking it yep. to existence. Uh, we spoke this into existence. In fact, last show we scooped it into existence and we here did. we are we have basketball back and i can't wait to talk about it uh yeah we're just gonna we're gonna celebrate all the, the good vibes that are flowing in college sports right now uh and we're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna break down all of that going on talk a little playoffs at the end because uh the miami what the miami heat are doing is winning basketball games as it turns mm. out it's uh mm. culture it's a lot of yeah. fun yeah it's a lot of fun to see the nba media scrambling to like trash the stories they had written about the the mm-hmm. rise of jason tatum and now they're just like what do we got on Duncan Robinson? Division three. All right, run it, run it again, run it again. Run yes, run. yes. And who and who's this other guy run with him? Dragic. Where's yeah. he from? Just do it again. <laughs> do the Duncan Robinson story one more time, just to drive it home. Also, we interviewed Aaron Neesmith uh, from Vanderbilt, sophomore from Vanderbilt. A lot of people might not know him. A lot of college basketball fans, because Vanderbilt, like he only played fourteen games for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt hasn't been. They've been cursed. Darius Garland gets hurt two years ago. Uh, mm. Neesmith got hurt this year. But he's going to be a lottery pick, Tate. So uh, we, we said, come on our show, and we will tell the people all about you. We will, we will spread the gospel for you. So that's what he did. We, we sat down with him for about 20 minutes. Yeah, funny. best shooter in the draft. We get him on the yep. show. He comes on and tells us all about Stackhouse and, and the experience of Vanderbilt. We're very excited about that. But, I mean, the real thing that we're excited about is to talk about the pods and the bubbles yep, the and the differentiation. The and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have a ton to get to, and we are going to get to all of it. But first, Woody Durham. Hey, All right, Tate, we've waited a long time to say it, and it's time time to finally say it. College basketball at long back, last. Back. 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 Not only is it back, Tate, I don't know if you're aware of this. I don't know if you saw Jeff Goodman's tweet, but <laughs> college basketball season will start in exactly 69 days from tonight. Am I bitter that college basketball was the only major sport in this country to get canceled? Every other sport was like postponed, and then they figured it out, and college basketball is the one sport that was like, eh, we're done. You know. No, I guess would be the answer. I'm definitely yeah. not mad at all. I actually think it's funny. It's been a long road. That's what I want to say. It's just been, yeah. it's, but it's so great to finally not have to pretend to care about anything else in my life but the Big Ten sports because these last 40, I've just been so happy. I've just been smiling for 48 straight hours. I'm like, oh my God, life makes sense again. It's, it's and, all happening. 
it's all <laughs> happening. And, and like you said, when we, we took this leap out into the world, we did the Maui Invitational last year. We did the CBS Classic. We were brand ambassadors. We're all over the college basketball map. And all we're thinking is we're building to Atlanta. We're building to the mm-hmm. Final Four. We're going to get the tuxedos back on. We're going to have this great moment in time. Of course, March 12th happens, college basketball ends, and then we've sat here, and we've sat here dormant, and we've sat here yep. waiting, and every single day we see a new, you know, John Rostein tweet that talks about South Dakota or some other <laughs> made-up tournament that we, we couldn't quite believe in because it seems so far-fetched, but now we have real news. We have a date. We have we Duke. Have a date. We have, a, we have a press release from the Battle for Atlanta that says Duke has to go to South Dakota. Uh, they will not be going <laughs> to Atlantis. Uh, th- these are all positive things that are happening in the world, and I'm the so The Battle happy. for Atlantis – so uh, explain this to me. Is it still the Battle for Atlantis? Because the Battle for Atlantis put out the release that said it is canceled. It is canceled. But we're going to also play it in South Dakota. So, like, is the event that's taking place in South Dakota still the Battle for Atlantis, or are they waiting to see if Duke wins? Like, if Duke wins – it's still the battle for Atlantis. And then Duke exactly. can say we're Atlantis champions. If Ohio State wins, they're like, no, that was like a one-off. Like, that was a Pentagon, South Dakota one-off little thing. That doesn't actually count as Atlantis champion. I they're think that, to put the asterisk. <laughs> I think the battle for Atlantis was very smart about this because they basically said we canceled it, so therefore they have a choice, right? By saying we they, canceled it, then we can make a decision on the back end. Yeah, yeah. If, we, if we bring this into the canon of our universe, or do we leave it out here and we say that? It's kind of like the Rose Bowl that they played in Durham that one year because of World War yeah, II. Yeah, right. It's like right, they can right. decide to, to glorify it and say it was a great game or say that never happened. Uh, you know, Is that this- was a throwaway year. So let's break down what we know. Uh, all right, and, and everybody buckle up because there's <laughs> oof. We we got a huge news dump the other day when on on Wednesday when they when they told us everything they know. Uh, so please try to pay close attention to what I'm about to say and, and make sure you digest it all. Here's what we know: the season's going to start on November 25th, and that's it. I guess that's it. it. <laughs> that's all we know. <laughs> but that's enough. That's something I've wanted. Something we have a start date. That's a, that's official. We we have the win. We we don't have the what necessarily. We we we're still ironing out our non conference games going to be played. Is this conference only? Is it bubbles? Is it pods? Is it none of the above? Uh, what is the testing procedures? What are the practice policies? What are the, the, the government, the local government saying? Because we have the Pac-12 situation with football, which if we're going to get into the football thing, maybe we could save that for then. But like Pac-12 football at this time didn't realize that they could actually practice. Newsom's coming out and saying like, what? I wasn't the one stopping you in Pac-12. Yeah, he's like, what do you mean? What? The Chargers and the Rams <laughs> yeah. are playing football. So there's all of this to sort through. Uh, you have Dan Gavitt was asked about it. I think it was Norlander interviewed Dan Gavitt. And he said that even the November 25th date is – aspirational is what he <laughs> that's not good to we're hear aspiring okay. to start date, but we don't really know but we have a date locked in it is the 25th some people were speculating it's the 21st as i said on the last show my sources were telling me it was going to be the 25th mm-hmm. am i right i don't know you tell me i said it was going to be the yes 25th. you are right and, and this so. is this is the definitive turn i think this is what we call a pivot in the sports media world where we pivot from relying to basically relying on ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're outside sources. Now we're going to go in-house. The Scoops have told you November 25th. The Scoops are coming from inside the house. <laughs> and, and, and the Scoops have told me that Maui's in Maui. And uh, and I'm fingers crossed. Dude, that uh, I can only get so erect. Please, please. <laughs> yes. Calm down. Everyone calm down. But November 25th makes Maui possible. That's when Maui starts. Uh, the, the biggest – can we start at the top? So I think the top is where we need to start with all this yeah. sort of stuff. So we'll look at the NCAA. And we learned this with football. The NCAA only controls – the tournament right that's the uh-huh. only thing that they have real this is how we do things and dictate how testing goes so there's no one from the top is saying this is how testing goes so every team is different the ACC is going to be different than the SEC you know or the Big Ten or whatever it may be and that's why non-conference games are an issue because yeah. if you were testing three times a week 
and right. the SEC is testing one time a week, then you guys have different protocols. Those pro- protocols do not align. You cannot agree to go to a location to then play each other. Yeah, you but don't want to real- expose – yeah, if you're a guy that's testing a bunch, you don't want your team to be exposed to a team that's not testing as much or whatever, yeah. And, right. and you just want it to be uniform at some level, right? right, right? So you right. can at least say, hey, it's on us. We all tried, and, and it is what it is. But with these these potential bubbles and pods, like the Battle for Atlantis and Sioux <laughs> Falls or the Maui Invitational or the NIT or the Myrtle Beach Cloud, whatever it may be, you can, you can go through the list of all those tournaments. Those tournaments may be subject to their own rules, right? So they may have a pod – that yeah. is, at, you know, up in New Jersey or Connecticut or, you know, whatever it may be. And then those teams that are invited are able to go and then they create the protocols for those teams that are there. And then if they want to invite like a Radford or a Mercer or like one of these or UNCW, a team that would be scheduled right. to play state or Carolina or Duke early in the year and make some money, they could be invited to that pod or bubble and then they can go through those protocols, and then they can play these teams and add more non-conference. But, again, you're going to lose six games because you moved yep. it back three weeks for most teams. You lose six games. What does that look like? Usually that's you know, smaller teams. So, if anything, the big dogs are eaten, Mark Titus. That's what yeah, I learned yeah, from this yeah, all. Yeah. The big dogs are eaten, and the little guys may get left in the shuffle. And I, uh, that's unfortunate. That's definitely what's going to happen, and, and the, the little guys are going to get left in the shuffle. But I, th- I think, too, like a lot of this noise that's coming out uh, of – of the programs and the conferences and all that about how, I mean, I saw, I saw Goodman today tweeted that the, uh, from talking to all the coaches and all the schedule makers, they had two words to describe the state of things right now, Tate shit show. It's mm. an absolute shit show out there. Mm. And like, I get it. Cause it is crazy. Um, and, and this is unprecedented. We live in unprecedented times, Tate. I don't know if you're aware <laughs> of that. Mm. So all that makes sense. Like I get like, th- these are creatures of habit. They want like the routines. They want to know who they're going to play so they can watch film and whatever, whatever. But it's not really like, who cares? Like just roll with it. That's, that's what I would like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let your hair down a little bit. College basketball coaches. Let's, let's just get crazy this year. Like, do we, and, and as far as like the people that are kind of, I don't know, maybe this is a straw man. I don't know if these people exist, but I feel like I've, I've been seeing a little bit of like the noise of what you brought up. Like what, what do we do about the, the in-state tournament? I mean, the ACC coaches, part of the thing of, of wanting everyone in is that they want to do conference only. And then how do you compare? Cause like, what would we do if, how, how could we compare like a, a, a record of only playing ACC teams versus the smaller schools that never really played the power? Oh, it's so confusing. It's not that confusing. Like we mm-hmm. still, the selection committee is still like a very subjective process that they just like kind of like one guy in the room looks at only Ken Palm. Another guy is like very old school and he's just like, how many road wins do you have? I don't care about anything else, road wins. Mm-hmm. And then another mm-hmm. guy's like, Duke's a one seed. I don't give a shit about the rest. Like, mm-hmm. th- like these are still things that happen in the selection committee room. You could still apply that same rubric to whatever this mess of the season ends up being and, and lopsided where one team plays, say, like 25 games, another team only plays 14 because of cancellations or something weird happens. Like, you could still look at those same 14 games and be like, okay, that team is relatively good. That team is a three seed. They, they seemed – and those 14, you know what I mean? Like, that's still enough data to, like, I don't know. I, I feel like we're making a little bit too much out of – it is different. It is weird. We should acknowledge it. But calm down, coaches. Calm down. Right now, and I'll tell the, Coach Cronin, take a seat. Uh, just just give yourself a break right now because this is, this is the well, issue. Well, his complaint's legitimate. I will <laughs> yeah, say. He's so, got so a legitimate that, complaint. That's, that's where we have, like, the range, right? Because I think a lot of people, when we're talking about this, they're like, well, most of these teams will figure it out. But, like – if you're UCLA, they have not been able to get into a room with one another yet. He, Big Cronin is fired up about this. They haven't been able to get on a basketball court. They haven't been able to do anything. And then, you know, I talked to someone at NC State, 
And their situation is they basically got the players in pods and who they're living with, right? So it's by fours. So they're in fours, right? So you have four guys, and it's usually by position at some level. So it's like a shooting guard, a small forward, you know, a point guard, and a big man are all living together. They're in their pod. So if one of them gets sick, we can contract trace, but or contact trace. So you know that that's sort of like their setup. But they're practicing. They're running four on fours. They have actual basketball activities that are ongoing. North Carolina school has basketball activity ongoing. Kentucky yeah. has basketball activity ongoing. And if you're UCLA, you see all this. You get a date November twenty fifth. Mick Cronin hasn't seen anyone. They haven't even practiced. Oh, yeah, they haven't practiced. Out. They haven't well, talked. I mean, it's just they can't it, that, practice. That's the problem. Yeah, it'll this, be. This is the state. This is the state that California finds itself in. I don't <laughs> know how much of these guidelines apply to uh, UCLA in particular, because again, like this Pac-12 situation where the the the, the Newsom's coming out saying like you guys can practice all along. I don't know where you're getting this information. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't. I, I I don't know where it all lands. But I'll just speak as like a private citizen for the people that don't live in California and don't understand what like the lockdown situation is here. It's uh, becoming kind of frustrating for me because gyms are still closed here. Mm-hmm. All, all gyms are closed. I have a in my apartment complex. We have like a, a one of the reasons I wanted to move to this place is it had a nice gym that I could work out in. It's still closed. So like even though it feels like it's supposed to be kind of a private gym in that regard because it's like an apartment. Co- they've they've closed it. They said like it's a state order. All gyms have to be closed. You can't work out in gyms. Uh, and they said the the get around of that is work out outside. Now that sounds great. Uh, one, the weather's nice in LA, right? Uh, two, like you know, it's not that hard to work outside, is it? Yeah, one, it is a it is hard to work outside because like you don't have all the equipment and everything, and like transferring everything outside, it's it's whatever, it's a pain in the ass. But two, take we find ourselves right now. The state of California is on fire. I don't know how many. <laughs> yeah, are, are people covering this? Yeah, the news. are people talking about this? You go outside. It's it's smoky skies, hazy skies. You pull up your your app on your phone. What's the weather going to be like today? And it just says either smoke or unhealthy air quality. That's yeah, the official. It says forecast. do not breathe <laughs> if you are outside. It's not rain. It's not snow. It's not cloudy. It's not sunny. It's smoke. That's what it says. So that's that's the the conundrum that UCLA finds themselves in. I imagine a lot of schools in California, it, it, they're handcuffed. They can't work out inside. So it's like, okay, cool. We're in LA. The weather should be nice. Let's go to Venice Beach maybe and just run five on five at the Venice court. Oh, that's right. You can't breathe the air because your lungs will explode. So uh, I don't know. I guess we'll sit here and and stare at the calendar when November 25th rolls around. We will not be prepared whatsoever. So Mick Cronin's complaint is legitimate. I was speaking when I went on my little rant. I was speaking of like guys that are like, well, what? What if we have to play seven more games than Syracuse does? That's not <laughs> yeah. fair. And like, like yeah. those sorts of people. Shut up. Just shut up. But Just Mick shut Cronin, up. Mick Cronin, we love you. Continue to complain. That's what we love about you. Coaches are creatures of habit at some right. level, and right. they do things, and they have a routine, and they get players in a routine. And I think the the most interesting part of the fallout of this whole thing is that you know I I read some report like over Christmas break the coaches apparently one of the coaches I talked to they're concerned about Christmas break right they the players put in that they need to have three days like that's all they get to get get to their families right they get mm-hmm. three days to go see their families and that was all because of a player committee that pushed this idea that they need at least three days to to get some time away from their team and the coaches are doing the thing where it's like I just don't think that's safe for my players mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that's, that's a good safe. idea yeah yeah and the name and, of safety I think and, and it's funny like how the name of safety can like mm-hmm. get so misconstrued down the line where it's like 
these kids that can't even like go back to their home now because they need to stay quote unquote safe on campus yeah, it's, and it's, isolated it's, on campus. It's, it's the like, same. It's the same propaganda the NBA was putting out that the bubble is the safest place in the world to be. Which like, exactly I, I kept calling out and people were killing me for for pointing out that this is ludicrous that you would say the bubble is the safest place. And as the bubble has continued to progress and there there are no cases within the bubble. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that the bubble is not the. It's still not like the safest place to be. Like if you're, if all you care about is the the spread of coronavirus impacting you, whatever, lock yourself in your house. You're not going to get it. Like that's the safest place to be. That's literally the like you don't have to go anywhere, interact with anybody. That's the safest place to be. But they're 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 throwing out the same. Like you you cannot. That's not true at all. That that being on campus is safer than being home. Now, granted, you you add like reality to the situation. If the players are home, they're going to see their friends. They're going to yeah. Club, exactly. whatever, whatever. Like, yeah, I get that part of it, but there, you know, personal responsibility. Like, don't be a dumbass. But uh, it, it is it, that is really funny that the, that if, if you say safety, it's like we said on the last show. If you say safety, you get away with anything. Like for the, in the interest of safety, I think Maui should be played in Maui. I do. I just think in the interest of player, if you care about player safety, if you care about and, the mental health of these players yes, and then getting them do, uh, out in the sunshine, get them my some camera? vitamin D. I'm gonna look at the camera. Listen, <laughs> NCAA. Maui Invitational, all of these schools involved. It's time to give back. If you pretend you're going to sit up here and say you care about player safety, prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. The safest place these players and also Tate and me can be is mm. Maui. On the beaches of Maui, the safest place that Tate and I can be is, is mm. having pina coladas in both of our hands. Yes. Sucking on pina coladas, yeah. watching the Maui Invitational. That, you cannot pick – that's the safest thing that could possibly happen in college basketball. And, and if you don't make that happen, you're complicit. Yeah, in one word, facts, and uh, that's what we need, uh, and that's what the players need, and it's what Shamanad needs at the end of the day. Because if Shamanad is not in the Maui Invitational, is it really even the Maui Invitational? I know yeah. that every other year people are going to start yeah. yelling at us, but like we're old school Maui heads. We're old school, and, yeah. uh, and I think that Maui needs us just like we need Maui. Can I celebrate Big Ten football being back? For yeah, a quick second. I mean, I, uh, can I celebrate you the can fact celebrate that like too. you, you yeah. got one week of Carolina football, and I'm glad it was a good week. I'm glad yeah, it was. Uh, I, I yeah, you, we won. I watched one quarter. You played really well in the one. We, I'll say we. I was on the we, band. Yeah, say we. Uh, we played really well in the one. I, I am worried though because the the protocols within the Big Ten, um, I don't know. They seem kind of unrealistic. It was like five percent of the team test positive, shut the whole thing down, which is like five. If, if you're just talking about the NC State pods of four players, that's like one guy, if one pod. Yeah, yeah. If one guy in a dorm room gets it, he's gonna spread it to his roommates, and then we're screwed. And then that whole team is kicked out uh but i guess the go around can, can you just like add like so if, if you say you get like seven guys that test positive on i don't, I don't even want to throw this out into the well screw it, we're already here um i'm not saying i want them to do this i'm just saying i imagine what's going to happen is like a team has seven guys test positive they'll just add like 36 walk-ons <laughs> be like, yeah. our roster is now 100 53 so we're actually good <laughs> sorry sorry five percent we did it. <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like with grades you know, we gotta even it out you know everyone's just gotta like figure it out how do we get our gpa together here let's uh let's go to the top <laughs> uh uh so ryan day is is put his neck out there and was was spearheading this charge and and demanding answers uh on the last show you know like i don't you know again i'm not i'm not saying i was the, the, the thing that ultimately made it happen i did give him an ultimatum i said figure it out or i'm done um, and then the Big Ten figured it out. So I don't know. You connect the dots <laughs> as you see fit. I'm obviously excited. Ohio State football's back under the you know the 
legally, so real quickly, assuming everything's safe, yada, yada, yada. Cause I, I, you know, I really do want him to be safe. Like if, if, if guys are testing positive left and right, like shut it down. I don't, I mean, you know, yeah, we saw this week, Charlotte, Charlotte 49ers, the football team, there wasn't even a positive test. It was one positive test, but then the, the contact tracing said the offensive line is yeah. the problem. And now they're not going to play football against Carolina. Yeah. So they canceled the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the threshold is. Again, I'm not telling people to, to make decisions one way or another, but yeah, if like in week six, they're like, listen, half of big 10 football players have this thing and we're seeing this and the data says this, so we have to shut it down. I'm not going to be, you know, tweeting at, at college football reporters, like screw you for doing this. You ruined college. You know, why are you cheering against college football? You know, all that's fine. But uh, what I want to say is I, I'm excited to have Big Ten football back, but like it, it, it's, it's bittersweet because I, I think there is a world take where everything that has transpired within the Big Ten makes sense. The fact that they postponed it made sense. That's what the data told them. That's what the procedures, they didn't have enough testing, whatever it was. It made sense at the time to postpone. And now here we are in, in mid-September. Maybe it makes sense now to, to restart it back up. Like maybe the entire time they've been 100% right. But by screwing up the messaging, by like not making it clear what's going on in the conference offices, by like saying we're definitely not revisiting this, and then like three days later, there's talks that they're revisiting this and revoting, and like no one can make sense of anything. I don't blame anyone for looking at this and saying they just they they cowardly saw that everyone else was playing, and they're like us. Oh, shoot, we gotta get back in on the action, you know, like that. Yeah. And that that sucks Absolutely. because. You know, the big, the big 10, we're pretentious. Like I've said many times over, like the big, we're not the best at anything, but if you do the accumulation of everything between academics and football and basketball and whatever else matters to people, we are the best as a, as a whole, the big 10 is the best. We are the leaders. We are the legends. We say, let's jump off this bridge. The PAC 12 is going to jump with us. The rest are going to be like, see you guys. And then we jumped and like, we, we grabbed onto the ledge at the very last second as the PAC 12. We're like, wait, what? I just hope that like I hope it worked. Like that's that's always my concern. Anytime I'm not I, I'm not exuding positive vibes. It's not that I I'm cheering for the virus or whatever. Obviously, it's that like I would it would just be such a gut punch to be like week six and Ohio State's number one in the country because Clemson's frauds and everyone knows it. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden the season gets canceled because like seven and a half percent guys tested positive for others you know that's what i'm worried about is that they don't actually have a system to play because they've given me no confidence whatsoever but we're back so who cares you're back and at the end of the day i think you can put everyone wants to point a finger you know like we, we see this in the nba playoffs you know when the clippers lose everyone's like let's blame doc rivers even though he has the assistant coaches that i don't think moved during the entire game and if i've watched basketball <laughs> I, I feel like assistant coaches yell at their coach like let's run zone let's do something yeah. like they didn't do anything uh but regardless of that i mean the the mac is the is the conference if i'm the big and I look at the Mac and I'm saying, you guys fucked me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and I think that we sit love down. the Mac. It's like little yeah. brother. It's like little yeah. brother. Sit down. You, it's like, how dare you? Uh, yeah. You guys played us. And I think, it, you know, it's kind of funny because like the NBA took the TBT plan and like executed it perfectly. Like they learned from like a small timer that's not ever going to get credit. And it was like the big team was trying to like learn from the small timer that's never going to get credit. And then that small timer actually screwed them over. And uh, yeah. the irony. Like, Listen, all's well that ends well. Uh, if, if they we still love the Mac at the end yeah. of the day, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and and listen, I don't mean to downplay like the, the the stuff going on in the world right now. Of course, it all matters. Of course, but like we just needed for me. If you listen to the show, I assume that you're on the same page as Tate and I. That like this kind of shit is your lifeblood, and this kind of shit like it, it's embarrassing that this matters this much to me. But at the same time, like I just need a reason to smile, and and finally I have one. So. 
fuck it, I'm taking it. I'm it's excited. community at the end yeah. of the day. And <laughs> yeah. we want we want the community of the games and we want the, the safety of the players. I mean, that, that's the last thing that I will say is like the, we, the, the we're safety hear, of the players, of course. Yeah, course. yeah. Like we, we haven't even really talked about that, but like it, this program is for the safety of the players. And uh, and that is like, you know, that's going to be the headline we everywhere. Are, but we are safety We are, we are a pro player safety <laughs> Yes. podcast yes. Uh, we want to make that clear which write it down out. put it out you know which that's, is why that's, honestly that's the note. part of part of my rant to us going to maui which for player safety they need to send us to maui and send mm-hmm. it to maui mm-hmm. um i don't think they should send anyone else to maui i think it should be the teams and just you and i because i think i think the threshold if i'm doing like the calculations of like people that the safety calculations it's about like that's the upper limit is right there it's like all the teams all the coaches uh support staff whatever and then you and I, and I think that's it. I think you got to cap it at that in the name of player safety. I think that's it. So I think that's perfect. I think if you and I are at the Maui Invitational, we're in hazmat suits, uh, courtside, and we're reporting Hawaiian, on the game. Hawaiian, Hawaiian hazmat suits. <laughs> yeah. And we're just reporting we on the game. We got to lay over top of our hazmat suits. <laughs> and Bill Walton is just looking at us like, man, I wish I had that hazmat suit. That looks fresh. He's like, uh, he's like give me one so I can hotbox myself. Yeah, big wave <laughs> Billy. <laughs> you look over, Bill Walton's going to smoke all of his yeah. hazmat suit. <laughs> he's like, is there a fire? No, that's just Bill Walton. That's just big wave <laughs> Billy. Oh, God. All right, let's talk to Aaron Neesmith. Uh, let's do it. We, we talked to him for a little bit. He's going – I'm telling. I'm calling my shot before the interview. You guys are going to listen to him. He is the best shooter in this draft. Uh, I'm calling my shot. He's going to be a lottery pick. I, mm. I don't know if I'm ballsy enough to say top ten because uh, he's not going to be able to go through the draft process. But if he did, I'm, I'm trying to call where the Titus and Tate bump's going to take him. But uh, he's going to be a lottery pick. So you're going to want to listen to this guy, get to know him. Uh, he, he might be on your favorite team very soon. So here it, he is. It's a range. It's 11 to 14. That's what There you want. go. Aaron Neesmith, here he is. Quick break to get a word from our good friends at, our great friends, I'll say it, uh, Mm. at Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. I haven't talked about the charger, which is awesome. Mm. You don't have to take your Whoop strap off to charge it. This is, I I told this my horror story of not charging my Whoop. Uh, That one was on me um because they make it so easy it's 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 the technology is unbelievable that you can just slide like that you charge the little packet thing and then you slide it on top of your whoop and then you never have to take it off you never have you can you can charge it on the go you don't have to like yeah it's 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 unbelievable you've never seen anything like it. you've never seen anything like it. it'll blow your mind yeah um please. but no it's it's great it's so if you're into this and uh you, you don't have to have the problems that i had where you're not charged up or you're you have to take it off and then you forget to put it back on and like will i remember all that kind of stuff no they make it they, they've thought of everything they've literally thought of everything for you uh and right now whoop is offering 15 percent off when you use the code titus at checkout go to whoop.com w-h-o-o-p.com and enter the code titus to say 15 percent sleep better recover faster train smarter it's time it's time. It's time to start working out, guys. It is. It just is. I, I don't make the rules. I'm just telling you. It's We've had a good run with quarantine, but it's time to get back in shape, and uh, you need Whoop to help you. So go get 15% off. Use code Titus. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen.
Joining us now is sophomore guard from Vanderbilt, Aaron Neesmith. He is a 2020 draft prospect. You fractured your foot in January. You, it, was a season, it ended up being a season-ending injury for you. How was the foot now? How was the rehab process going? Where, where do we stand today uh, in mid-September? Uh, I'm good. I'm all good. I'm ready to go. I'm feeling great, you know, getting back on the floor, doing my thing, uh, working out all the time, every day. Um, so it's good. Every, everything's on, uh, on track and looking great. We love that. And Aaron, I have to ask about it. This is your sophomore year, like Tyus mentioned, at Vanderbilt. You play 14 games. In those 14 games, you sco- scored no less than 14 points. Uh, you lead Vanderbilt, a 53% three-point shooter. And you, you get injured, unfortunately, in January. But you have these 14 games to look at, and they're pretty spectacular. 23 points per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, you were scoring double figures in every single one of these games, basically. Is it good to get out on top? I know Darius Garland, who also went to Vanderbilt, he played in about five games and then is a top five yeah. pick. Is, is this a plan at Vanderbilt? Can you explain this to us? How uh, does this work? I mean, there's a little, little Vanderbilt curse going on uh, <laughs> after <laughs> okay. I went down. You know, as we make jokes about it. But, um, nah, not about getting out on top. Um, I wish I would have been able to finish the season because I definitely, without question, uh, think I would have kept it up um, 100%, <laughs> like, throughout the entire season. doesn't matter who's in front of me. Uh, who I play, I know for a fact I would have been able to keep it up. So obviously, the, the jump you made from freshman to sophomore year was was a big one. Um, so if if we're going off just your sophomore year tape, as Tate said, we only have 14 games to work with. Uh, maybe a lot of people, you know, don't tune into college basketball right away in that 14 game window. Uh, so maybe there are a lot of people listening to this who don't even know much about you, haven't seen you play. Um, or just they just have to go on YouTube and watch stuff. Can you give the people a scouting report, Aaron? Because you've been mm-hmm. called by by many people. You're the best shooter in this draft. I assume you like that, but I <laughs> I also is there? Are you worried that that's like you're getting put into one box where all you are is just like a spot up guy and that's it? Uh, give us the scouting report from in, in your own words of, of your um, game. Yeah, I mean for sure, definitely believe best shooter in the draft, hands down. Um, but nice. yeah, like you said, nice. I nice. I don't think that's all I can do. I think I can do other things. I think I can. Uh, help the team very uh, help any team beneficially on the defensive end you know with my length my size um, uh, just the way God made me Um, but also on the offensive end being just a floor spacer just because I shoot the three ball so well um, I I move off the ball all the time very fast um, so the defense has the key on me which allows my teammates to make easier play and easier reads um, so I can also be used as a facility guy, you know, like I said, on defense mm-hmm. and do the little things. So I think there's a lot more aspects in my game than just being able to make the long ball. Um, but yeah, that's what, that's what you do. But listen, man, if there's, if there's one thing you can do on a basketball court, if, if, if you are one dimensional and as you said, you're not, but if you have to be one dimensional, that's a pretty good thing to be the one dimensional, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, to all be I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're like, all, I'm sorry. All I do is I make threes. I, every time I get the ball, <laughs> we, we score three points. I don't know if that's good or not, but that's what I do. Well. Yeah. That's, that's a, for sure. not a bad thing. Yeah. And Aaron, we also want to ask about, uh, you wear number 24, um, and I think uh, we've seen the player comps come out. A lot of people have said you're, you're similar to uh, – I'm a North Carolina guy, so Cameron Johnson, yep. who came out last year, one of the best shooters in the draft. You've been compared to him. Another name that I want to throw out, Buddy Hield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wear number 24. You're a three-point shooter. You're 6'6", all those types of things. Check out. But is there a reason you wear number 24? Is there a player that you looked up to that you, you said, I want to you know idle my game after that person? What, what was it like to, to make that decision? Or am I – you know, reading too much into this, and no one really cares about the number. <laughs> twenty-four doesn't matter. Um, no, I mean, I actually, I started wearing number twenty-four because of Kobe. Obviously, you know, um, mm-hmm. one of the greatest players who ever who ever played the game. Um, but you know, as a kid, I picked twenty-four just like more as a fan, 
And then as I got older, it really was like, I want to keep the number 24 because of Kobe. And because I started to dive into like the mental aspect of the game and the way Kobe, uh, the way Kobe attacked the game. Like I started watching his show details and, you know, any little thing I can learn from him just because that's how like detail oriented he was. So it, Kobe definitely has a big influence on why I wear 24 for sure. Mm. Mm, nice awesome. the mama mentality absolutely <laughs> i want to talk about the draft process a little bit so the draft just recently got pushed back what is it november 18th yeah. is that what mm-hmm. we're working with now it's, it's been moved back a few different times from your perspective does it feel weird to you to, to go through a draft <laughs> process a process during the pandemic when the, the combine gets canceled the the draft has now been moved twice i believe uh it's just like a weird like when you get drafted the turnaround i assume is going to be very quick like you're going to you're not going to have a summer league like yep. other rookies have had to kind of to ease into it. Do you feel all of that? Or are you so naive? Cause you've never been through this process that you're like, listen, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know any better anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. I would say the last yeah. thing you said is pretty accurate. Like I'm still having fun with the whole process. I'm still working hard um, just because, you know, I don't know any better. I don't know what the usual year would look like. I don't know where I'd be in a usual year. Um, so, you know, right now I'm just trying to work as hard as I can, make sure I'm ready. Like you said, uh, the drafts on November 18th is going to be a quick turnaround regardless, even if the NBA uh, uh, decides to keep the Christmas day start or not. Um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a quick turnaround. Like you said, no summer league. So I got to make sure my body's right. I'm, I'm in shape and I got to make sure I'm ready to go. Okay. So the, pr- the process in general, you're, you're, you're doing a lot of zoom stuff. Uh, I'm curious about this too. Like how often do you talk to teams? Um, is, is, from from your perspective as a prospect, are you just kind of focused on your own thing, working out, getting better, whatever? And as teams approach you, you interact with them. Do you reach out to teams? Is this like an everyday thing? Are you like, I, I work out in the morning and then the evening I'm talking to scouts and GMs? Like how, how often is the, is the communication happening? Um, I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, I'm focused on one thing pretty much, and that's just like getting better as a basketball player, improving my whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, but like from a daily standpoint, um, yeah, I have like an interview later in the day, usually um, workouts earlier in the day. But um, actually, I haven't started my um, my NBA interviews yet. I'll start those very soon just because the draft keeps getting pushed back. Just kind of waiting mm-hmm. for the right moment to begin is that as well. And Aaron, I want to ask about just the, the fandom. You mean you're from Charleston, South Carolina. You grew up in South Carolina and uh, you end up going to Vanderbilt. And But you, you had a great high school career in South Carolina. But there's no NBA team, obviously, in South Carolina. The Hornets are there that are close. The Hawks maybe in Atlanta. Was there a, a team that you kind of grew up uh, that you were like, I'm a fan of this NBA team? Or are you sort of, you know, just playing basketball, fan of the NBA dream more so? Because I always find that fascinating. Um, yeah, so – uh, one of the first players that I ever, like, uh, got introduced to, like, within the game of basketball was Dwayne Wade. So I've been a Dwayne Wade fan my entire life um, from the moment I picked up basketball. So big-time Miami Heat fan growing up. Uh, you know, I was very happy when, you know, they got LeBron. They won the championship in 2012, 2013. So I would say that definitely the Heat was my team as a kid growing up. Uh, that's not, that, not bad for right now. Yeah, it's working out great. Yeah, that, that's not that's not too bad at all. Uh, speaking of like having favorite teams and all that, how much do you pay attention to mock drafts? Like, what where you, the experts, so to speak, think you might end up? How uh, where where you're listed on big boards? Just kind of all the noise that goes into a, a draft process. Are you aware of it? Are you hearing it? Do you do you read the scouting reports these guys have on you and get upset? And you're like, that's not true at all. I can because I can we go would, left. What do you, we what do you read mean? All of our yeah. yeah. What do you What do you mean? I can't go left. I can go left. This guy's out of his mind. Um, 
Or, or do you just tune the noise out, or somewhere in the middle? How, I would, I would say I'm somewhere in the middle because I don't, I don't search for the noise. I don't look for it, but you know, my friends send it to me because you know they also find yeah. the process pretty cool, um, and they all want to hear what I have to say about it. So I'm aware yeah. and I see it, but I don't look for it. Is there something that Coach Stackhouse, Jerry Stackhouse, obviously your coach this past season, is there anything that he pointed to that said, hey, this may be something that will help you get to the next level? Or is it just, you know, happy to have a coach like Stackhouse in the building? What, what was that like? Any advice he gave you? Um, initially, like going in, he's a big defensive-minded guy. Um, so he definitely wanted my defense to improve. And it was awesome the way he, the way he coaches us and the way he, he treats us from day one. Um, from the very first minute I met him, he treated me like a professional. And that was something I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me exactly what I needed to do and he prepared me for the next level from the first practice on, um, Mm -hmm. like, and on the defensive end, he, he didn't take anything for granted. Like he graded us on every little thing. If we were half a step out of position, that's minus a point on the big board, you know? Um, so (laughs) it was, it was just good to see like the improvements that we made as a team and individually over the season with him as our coach. Yeah, take take me back to last summer when uh you you were recruited to Vanderbilt by Bryce Drew. Uh, he gets fired, and and Jerry Stackhouse is named the coach. Um, first of all, the the idea of your coach being fired and you have to now play for a new coach did did, did transferring enter your mind? And secondly, uh, what goes through your mind when the announcement is made that Jerry Stackhouse is going to be your coach, like NBA legend? Uh, it's, it's not some random guy who's an assistant coach <laughs> at some small school that got like, it's like, it's Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to play for Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah. Uh, what was that whole transition like for you? Um, I mean, transfer never really crept into my mind too much just because I wanted to see who, uh, who they would bring in first and, you know, get a yeah. chance to talk to them. You know, I just, I wanted to give everything a chance and I'm where I'm the type of guy, like, you know, you make the most of any opportunity that you're given. So I'm not going to run away mm-hmm. from something just because it was tough. Uh, for the first year. But um, when Coach Stackhouse got the job, it was like a dream come true. And it was absolutely amazing. You know, 18-year-old NBA veteran, scoring machine, my size, my height. Um, Are you old enough to remember him? Um, I No, not really. So I knew, I knew his but, name and yeah. I knew about him, but I didn't okay. really know how good he was until he got yeah. the job and I did my research on him. Yeah, he, he, oh, he, th- he could, he could I- hoop. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you didn't know until he got the job and then he just sat everyone down and showed you guys film. Yeah, he was like, watch this. The first five days, he's like, watch me. Watch how good I was. I still, he, still hopped in, he still hopped into practice a couple of times. We gave a couple of these buckets, but, you know, he, he never gave me buckets. <laughs> <laughs> I also this is fascinating because Titus brought it up like you never you never were able to watch Jerry Stackhouse I think you were born in 1999 so you were kind of like the last of an era that was born in a century before the 21st century I mean is is it weird just in basketball circles because I feel like we we do this at times we keep talking about you know Steve Franchise or someone from you know you know Stephon Marbury maybe guys that you haven't quite seen or your generation hasn't seen does it feel like you have to almost do a history lesson to be informed about you know basketball circles and conversations just to kind of keep up the speed a little bit honestly yeah i mean i had yeah. i had kind of that same discussion when uh, last dance came out um just because mm-hmm. like my generation you know you hear it all the time like michael jordan's the best michael jordan's the goat um but you know we never really got to see him play and all we see is old clips you see the same clips over and over they're not very good quality <laughs> so uh you know the last dance was definitely pretty cool it's like a big it was kind of like a big history lesson um, for like basketball players my age so I definitely was a big fan of that yeah 
Don't be yourself up over that. Terry Rozier is a few years older than you, and he still didn't know that Michael. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't know he was him. Like, <laughs> Michael Jordan did what? He won three. Are you serious? Let's talk about draft day a little bit. Uh, mm. First of all, uh, what what is your plan? Do you, have you have you even thought this far in advance? Who who is going to be with you? What are you going to wear? Your fashion. You're wearing a black shirt. You're kind of conservative with your your fashion right now. Um, so on draft day, is this something you put any thought into? Of like. Do I gotta go big and like, you know, uh, no, with, going, with my fashion? I went, big. Gonna... I went big. I already, I already got the. Suit. Okay. Yeah. You already I have it planned out. Yeah, already got okay. it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, that's... I'm excited. I, I love the suit. Yeah, I definitely. I wanted, I wanted to go big. I couldn't, I couldn't go nothing normal. No, I, I had yeah. to stand out a little bit. So I'm I excited. love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so great. That's so good. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like. Can we get something? Can we get like a teaser? Like, a, is a feather involved? Like, oh, is, no. is there is there gold? Shoot? No, we get nothing. No, we, we get, get nothing. nothing. Right. You get nothing. You gotta wait for the date. All right, November eighteenth. Unless they move it back. Yeah, we gotta uh, we gotta watch. Uh, I'm curious about this, Aaron. Um, a lot of people are saying, certainly not us. We wouldn't dare say this. Mm. We just uh, we hear people say this. A lot of the haters out there. Uh, <laughs> that this is one of the worst drafts in a very long time. Like the group of guys in this draft are, are we're talking, I talked to you earlier about the noise that you're hearing. Uh, this is, this has become a theme of this draft. Is that something you care about at all? Um, is that like what, what, when, when you hear people say those things, are you like, I don't really care. Just get me to the league. I, I want to start my career. Is it cause what's one thing that I found and I'm, I'm rambling, I'm sorry, but like as more guys progress in the NBA, like there seems to be a sense of pride in the draft class you're in. Like everybody that was in the 2003 draft class won't shut up about it. Yeah. They're like, we're the greatest ever. And like all that kind of stuff. So uh, do you feel a sense of pride, like amongst the other guys in the draft, that like we gotta, or, or is am I making too much of that? Um, no, like I mean, that's one thing I definitely I don't really care about because at the end of the day, yeah, everybody's got to go out there and play. You know, it, it yeah. matters once you're on the floor and once you get drafted, once you get to your respective cities. Um, I think that's yeah. the most important thing, just focusing on the right things, and that's definitely something that doesn't really need to be a focus. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, who in this draft? I'm curious. Do you have a relationship with anybody? Who, who other than yourself do you think is the best player? Is there someone you enjoyed watching? Someone you, uh, or no? Um, no, not really. I kind of, kind of keep. I keep to myself. Like keep to myself. I'm That's focused awesome. on me. I, I want to be better. Yeah. So absolutely. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I ask you again. Uh, I mean, obviously, you said you know you kind of keep a ton of vi- tunnel vision a little bit, but you you know are in South Carolina. We have you know John Morant yeah. was Rookie of the Year. We have Zion Williamson. Before that, in 2017, I think the year that you committed to Vanderbilt, you had the South Carolina team with Sindarius Thornwell and PJ Dozier. They go to the Final Four. Frank Martin's in South Carolina. The Nuggets right now. We see Alex English everywhere <laughs> talking about his South Carolina roots. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a moment for South Carolina basketball? Do you feel that? Do you feel the momentum? Seventh Woods. Is another guy to throw out there um or am i you know getting a little as a north carolina guy am i a little too upset about no, this no it feels like sure. south no, yeah. there needs to be more respect put it on the south carolina hooper's name for sure okay and i mean it's perfect example you know um yeah zion williamson rookie um not rookie of the year my bad zion williamson first number one pick john Morant, rookie of the year number two pick you know you got me coming out potential first round pick um you know mm-hmm. it's just all them things and 
I think it's great for South Carolina basketball to be put in such a good light here in the recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually you beat Zion out for Player of the Year, right? Uh, yeah, for, guys, for, for Gatorade Player of the Year, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I wanted to bring that. Which up. Wanted, for you, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> make, make sure people know. Yeah, there's no question. I don't have a question with that, Aaron. I just wanted to acknowledge yeah, you, that. You that just want to slip it in there, say- just for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, what about what about uh, the man Aaron Neesmith? What about the the guy off the court? You, you strike me as a guy who uh, you, you go to Vanderbilt. Your brother, for people that don't know, goes to Harvard. It seems like uh, this is you guys are well educated. You could you could do anything in the world. You're, you're uh, it's, it's been a joy talking to you th- thus far. What what would you do? I guess I, I'll ask this question: If if you weren't going to go to the NBA and have a long career as a basketball player, and sports was off the table, what would you find yourself doing? If you wake up in ten years, what is Aaron Neesmith doing? Uh, I, I don't know. I had no, I had no plan B. I had no plan B. I went, that's, that's so why, then, then here's my question, Aaron. Why you're, you're academic, you go to Vanderbilt, great academic school. You're like all academic AC, uh, SEC. I'm sorry. What, what's the point of that? Like, why, why not go the Cardale Jones? I'm not here to play school route. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, my, since my brother goes to Harvard and uh, I went to Vanderbilt, my parents are huge academics. So, I definitely I understand yeah. the importance of academics. I understand the importance of having a degree in life and all all of those good things and all that. But you know the yeah. dream the dream is to play basketball, and it's always been to play basketball. So that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so I'm also the type of type of guy that believes if you don't put all your eggs into basket A and you put some into basket B, then you're not putting all that you have into plan A. Mm-hmm. so that's that's just the mm-hmm. way i personally well that it, it seems to be working out for you yeah i would yeah. say, <laughs> I mean, I would say. <laughs> yeah we can't say any better ourselves i mean one last thing i have to ask is just like getting prep for the actual draft itself we're obviously dealing with you know covid19 we're dealing with restrictions of gyms and all these types of things i mean did, did you go home have you have you been working out uh independently in charleston uh, i think i saw you at your old old high school right a couple of yep. times so is that the only draft prep you're able to do as far as like actual basketball work um yeah i mean i'm at i'm back home still um i mean i go to the gym every day i lift every day i do get treatment every day so i do the same things you know i normally would be doing during the draft process just a different location different means um not put up in a house with other draftees so i mean that i mean that'd be the only downside not uh having the competition aspect of playing um the other potential high picks that I wouldn't usually get. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You got to make the most of what you give so, or what you get. Is where you're drafted, does that ultimately matter to you? Or is it just like – like if, if, if I say you're drafted 11th versus like 16th, is that something you're going to stew on? Is that something that's super important to you? <laughs> is, is it is a it Draymond like, situation yeah. where you're going to list all the people you know, drafted? Like, before yeah, yeah. Or yeah. is it just like I just want to get to the league and get going and wherever I end up is where I'm meant to be? Oh, pretty much um, I want to go to the right – the right fit more than anything. Mm. I want to go to a team that wants me, team that wants to uh, develop me and see and has a plan for me in the future. Yeah. Mm. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you are the best shooter in the draft. We, we have to make that. You beat Zion Williamson. Now, just for the takeaways, to recap for everyone listening that, that might not know a ton about Aaron Eastman, beat out Zion Williamson, best mm. shooter in the draft. Shot 52%, 53% from the three-point line, whatever it is. I actually have a bone to pick about this. I, I have a theory, Aaron, and, right. and, and – um, you could stop me. I, I think, I think you are too good of a three-point shooter. You should be shooting more. I I have made this <laughs> argument with Tate many times that 
actually, it's actually selfish to shoot 52% from the three-point line because you're not shooting enough. You should be shooting more until your percentage starts going down. Like every time you touch the ball, because you, you, you should have like the ultimate green light, right? Like if you hit 52%, you should be like, I can keep shooting until I'm like down to 40-something percent, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, you're just taking good shots. And even if I, I – I know, if I took, but keep t- – take more. Also, even if I took more <laughs> shots, the percentage is staying the same, man. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even ask you. I forgot to ask you about uh, uh, the gym you play in, the Vanderbilt gym. Is it as weird as – I've never been. Is it as weird as it looks on TV? Like, when you go on a visit there, uh, do you feel like you have a home court advantage? What, just, what are your thoughts on playing in – what is it, Memorial? It's Memorial, Gymnasium, yeah. is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Yep. If it's your first time there, it is, it is weird. So, there is a home court yeah. advantage for teams and players who have not played there before. Um, but for me, it's not really any different. You know, like, yeah. and I got used to it because um, we played so many home games in the beginning of my freshman year that when we first went on the road, it felt weird to sit on the sidelines again. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, when John Calipari uh, always loses at Kentucky, when Kentucky goes to Vanderbilt, and it feels like they always lose there because he's <laughs> sitting on the – He's sitting on the baseline. He's trying to yell at his guys, and they can't hear him. And then he just kind of shrugs his shoulders. He's like, these damn freshmen can't hear me yeah. and all that. Uh, do, you, do you think he has, like – do you think that's a valid excuse? It's a valid excuse. Do you think that's a, it's a valid, that's a valid excuse? The <laughs> okay. coaching box is different, too. So, like, it's harder yeah. for them to reach the players on the opposite side of the floor. So, you know, yeah. when you're opposite on the opposite side of the floor, it's, it's a green light. <laughs> yeah right, right right uh aaron thank you so much for joining us good luck with the draft man we're gonna we're gonna follow your career and be huge fans of yours and uh we, we hope it all works out well for you uh you certainly have have you've won us over far. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Over on, on point, your 25 so. minute zoom we would draft right, right, yeah you. and also great it. teaser watch everybody watch the draft see what aaron's gonna wear absolutely you, you need to see yeah, it <laughs> we're excited to see that all right thanks man take care thanks, thank you very much you guys have a good one all right, thank you to Aaron Neesmith for joining us. Uh, not only is he the best shooter in the draft, he is a straight shooter. That's what I, I mm. love about him. Uh, never heard that guy do an interview before, I'll be honest. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned that he's a uh, – I, I, I actually did love it. I was like, hey, dude, are, are you paying any attention to anyone else? And he's like, not really. I'm like, not, not, not for me. <laughs> not for me. I play basketball. I'm me. I do me and I chill. Kevin Durant's Twitter bio. <laughs> it's the greatest bio of all time. And it's also, yeah. I mean, for Aaron Neesmith, this is probably the best example of a draft. Like, it's an isolated experience, right? He doesn't want to meet anybody. He doesn't want to sit in the green room. He doesn't want to, like, yeah. you know, dabble people. He thinks right, he's right. the best in the draft. So, so uh, he's the kind of guy that, like, you're going to hear, you know, he doesn't have the Duncan Robinson backstory per se, but he, yeah, he strikes me as the kind of guy that's going to blow up in the NBA. And then everyone's going to pretend like, where did this guy come from? I barely remember in college and blah, 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 blah. Everybody listening to the show, friends of the program would be like, I, I knew that guy going into the draft. Yeah. So there you go. You're, you're ahead of the, you're ahead uh, of the curve. Again, this is, this is the bump. This is what we're yeah, here for. We want to bring you on, give you the bump and the move speaking on. Of, speaking of which, can we talk about Duncan? Uh, can we talk about what we just witnessed? Duncan Robinson going absolutely nuts in game two of Heat Celtics. Um, I, I, I'm running out of words to, to describe the man. Uh, it is, it is, it, we, we joke a lot about the Titus and Tate bump. We joke a lot about like <laughs> friends of the pro, like whatever. In all seriousness, it's the greatest investment we've ever made in our lives. When Duncan Robinson, <laughs> <laughs> I, we've made this point a million times on the show, but that's like, I, I, it it's blows so my good, mind every Mark time. Titus. Like I'm it, watching, I'm like, is that the same guy? that called me before his senior year of Michigan was like, can you give me tips on how to break into sports media? And I was like, 
my one tip is don't do it, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was what, maybe that's the origin yes. story. I was like, yes. don't do it. Sports media is the worst. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'll go to the NBA then. He's like, the- I gotta, I guess I gotta work harder at basketball and uh, <laughs> yeah. make this dream possible. And also coach, can you please bench Isaiah livers so I can get in the game and <laughs> yeah. start so I can get drafted. I, mean- I can't get over it. I don't mean, I mean, I don't mean to belabor it. I know if, uh, if you listen to a lot of the shows, you're probably like, Oh God, here we go again with this stuff. But that's like, I, I'm not even doing shtick. It just like blows my mind. Every time I watch him, uh, I'm just like, I cannot believe. I can't believe it. It's amazing. We've reached a point now because it's not just that he's playing well. It's not that he's starting for an Eastern Conference NBA team. It's that he hits a couple shots. The Celtics stick, stick Marcus Smart on him. They're like, shut this man down. It's like I said before when we were talking about Duncan. We talk about him every show. But I remember earlier in the bubble, I was like, it's, it's amazing to watch. He's, he's not the best player on the Heat. Eh, maybe he is. Uh, he's, he's, he's not like the focal point of the offense per se. But he's, he has reached a point, especially when he hits his first couple, where defense is key on him. He is the guy. He is the guy Brad Stevens is in timeout, and he's like, do not let Duncan Robinson shoot. He is the one guy that's going to kill us. He is the focal point of our defense. Please. And the fact that he's gotten to that point in the Eastern Conference Finals, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I love it. I, I love you, Duncan. God bless you. A true friend of the program, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're. I mean, at the at this point, right? Duncan Robinson is going to become like I just saw him on SVP. You know, he's like on JJ Reddick's yeah. podcast. He's on every show now. And at the end of the day, when we see Duncan, it's like seeing like your little brother, or like seeing like yeah, a kid that you want to say to succeed. You know, I've what I mean? noticed we're pulling for him. I've noticed he's going on every show, and you're you, you know, friends of the program might be asking him. So why when are you guys gonna have Duncan back on? And I'm saying I'm 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 gonna let you know. We're first of all, I I love him. Him so much i respect him so much that i'm not even i haven't even really texted him since he's been in the bubble i, I want to leave him alone let him do his thing let i've him- been giving him tv show ideas so he's been watching <laughs> right, top boy I, I i don't want to jinx anything i get very weird about this i was the same with uh conley i didn't want to bother him anything like that i was um, like why did you not text me yeah why did you say he's like <laughs> he's like i saw my real friends were after i missed a shot in game seven asshole i was like i didn't know I'm really bad at that stuff. I I need to be a better friend. But I I also I want Duncan to you know he he it's like we 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 raised him in our little nest and we let him out and let him fly and it's like if you want to go fly to SVP and Reddick and, and he's doing great and he's doing great. Like go man. Yeah. Like we're happy for you. Like and, yeah. and, and we'll always be here, Duncan. We'll always be here. You can come back home whenever. I don't I don't get possessive about him. I don't get upset that that he's quote unquote cheating on us. Whatever. He's not cheating on us. He's spreading no. his wings. He's flying. And we're yeah. letting him go. It's one of those things too, where like in the future, I hope that one day he's our Tim Legler, and we're like, yeah. we're like Duncan, come over here and break this play down. Yeah. For us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I think he's willing to do that for sure. I think I think the last thing on Duncan was like when Spo in Game One, he didn't take a three, right? They they swung the ball around, he didn't take the shot, and he's running yeah. down the floor, and he's kind of laughing because he's like, man, I'm about to get just roasted by Spolstra. And Spolstra found like, – he was trying not to look at him, as everyone knows who plays basketball when your coach is about to yell at you. You try to look and uh, yeah, someone, yeah. someone say something to me over here. Like, I look over yeah. here, make sure I don't look at the bench. And he finally, like, looks over and Spolstra's like, don't you ever pass up a shot again. <laughs> don't you ever. And he's like, kind of like, he's like, I know, I know. I know. And, I, and I never thought I would get Sorry, to the point sir. where, like, Spolstra is yelling at Duncan to, like, you to better shoot. take the shot. And if you don't take the shot, you're coming out of the game. And – uh that's it's, a great moment. It's unbelievable. I love. We, we've reached the point now where I, I honestly I don't know if this is just my bias speaking, but uh, I really believe this to be true. You remember a few years ago when the talk going into drafts was always like, you're, "We're looking for the next Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. We're looking for the next Draymond. Draymond's the guy. Mm-hmm. He's a he can play small ball five. He's very great defender. The glue guy. Whatever. Like if we can just find the next Draymond, and then that didn't really work because everyone realized that you can't. 
Denzel Valentine was not Draymond. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, just, if there if everyone was there are a lot of Draymonds out there, everyone would have a Draymond. You know, I feel like we the, the new we're looking for the next Draymond is going to be we're looking for the next Duncan Robinson. I don't know if it's happened in this draft. I haven't been paying that much of attention to the draft, mm-hmm. but I maybe maybe it's aligning well with Aaron Neesmith coming on the the podcast today. But uh, I feel like that's going to be that you're going to hear a lot of that is like this guy could be the next maybe it, it, you know because that doesn't mean you take the guy number one whatever like obviously guys are looking for the next. LeBron and the next like upper tier stars, but the next Duncan Robinson is going to be a talking point. We're looking at maybe this guy is Aaron Neesmith. Could he be, could he, is he the Duncan Robinson type? That's going to be the, that's amazing. We've arrived at that point. I can't believe it. I'm just, I'm just like giddy. I am so happy for him. The heat are now 10 and one in the playoffs. Mm. The one loss they have is an overtime to the bucks. I, I, a Chris Middleton basically game to, yeah, to salvage yeah. the Bucks. Gentlemen, yeah, exactly. gentlemen sweep. It was a gentleman sweep situation where they're like, you know, we we can't sweep the Bucks. This is this is a bit like all the the That'd Bucks be bad for the NBA. Be bad. Yeah, the Bucks spearheaded the boycott. They they you know they're Giannis is the darling of the league. Like we can't, that would be bad for the NBA. We got to give them one win. Let's mm-hmm. give them one win. I think mm-hmm. that's what they ultimately did. But it's going to be an overtime. They're they're still undefeated in, in, in regular play. I think I'm ready to declare it. That Jimmy Butler, no matter what happens from here, this is bold, but uh, I, I think I'm ready. Maybe I'm just reactionary, but Jimmy Butler is the winner of the bubble no matter what happens from here. If they lose the next four, if, if the, the Heat loses the Celtics in six, I still think Jimmy Butler is the winner of the bubble because, like, obviously, if the Lakers win the title, LeBron getting another title, you can make the argument for him. You can make the argument for Jamal Murray, Jokic, Tatum kind of uh, is emerging, all that. There, there are guys that are emerging, whatever. But uh, Jimmy Butler, like the reputation, the the way people view him, I feel like has done maybe not a complete 180, but like when, when he's when he's going to Miami, he we all know he's a good player, we all know he's he's a two way player, whatever. But I don't think anybody really like I, from my experience, there weren't a lot of people that were like Jimmy Butler fans, so to speak. You know what I mean? They're like, I love that guy. I love how hard he plays. I love this, this, and this, and this. They just knew him as like a guy that's like pretty good, but not great, whatever. I feel like the, the, the narrative's completely changed that Jimmy Butler's an absolute star and people are loving, can't get enough of this guy. Yeah, and it's it's funny because Jimmy, like the last time that we, there was like an America kind of turned in Jimmy's favor was when he went against the Timberwolves and in that infamous practice that now has kind of been debunked as not as crazy as it may have seemed yeah. because, you know, there was some other part pieces that were on the floor but regardless like he beats the first team with the 13 then walks out of practice he goes to Philadelphia Joel Embiid's talking about how great of a player he is and how hardworking he is and people are like what Joe and then he leaves Philadelphia everyone's like he must just be a head case everywhere yeah he's a malcontent I really did I thought he was a malcontent yeah. I thought he was like uh just yeah he, just, he he was a good player but like not good enough to get away with like the bullshit that he tries to pull and like, I don't know that was just kind of like the idea I had him that was my perception of him and I uh I'll give a little like background story like uh, two or three I guess three years ago now we went to Jimmy Butler's house for a Bill Simmons podcast myself mm-hmm. Tommy Alter Bill Simmons and we're with Jimmy Butler and I'm asking him about Jordan Brand right he's a Jordan Brand guy and he's like talking about all the players that are ahead of him at Jordan Brand Blake Griffin Chris Paul Kawhi Leonard and you know he's playing dominoes and he's kind of talking and I'm like sit there and I'm like man this guy uh, is very aware of everyone that's kind of above yeah. him getting paid above him at Jordan Brand and he was like but the funny thing is I know I'm the best basketball player <laughs> and uh and when he said it you know I was kind of was like 
Definitely not. Uh, what, you know what? What I, mean? like, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? But I also, I, I respect Bill, Bill looked at you and like said, Tate, mute your mic, please. For the last <laughs> yeah. How many times are I going to tell you? He's like, holy shit. Uh, what did he just say? Um, <laughs> but it was like that moment where I, I, I didn't believe him, but I believed him, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, no, like, I, I follow you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about college basketball too. And I think one of the things that hasn't been talked about in the media with the Miami Heat was most guys, when the quarantine happened, they went home, right? They went out mm-hmm. of market. They, they went back to wherever they lived and the Miami Heat team stayed together. So during this quarantine, they're running practices. Jimmy Butler's in practice. They're all in practice. They're all in Miami. They're all with Pat Riley. They're all the Coach Bo. They're all connected. And then in the bubble, they're all connected. They're all just hanging out with each other. That's why, yeah, between that, the Michelob Ultra commercials, uh, I I really, I genuinely believe, and it's easy to say now because we don't know what's going to happen, but if the Heat blow the series against the Celtics, I still think, when all the dust settles, you're gonna look back and be like, Jimmy Butler is the big winner in terms of like what we thought he was coming in and what we now think he is coming out of the bubble experience. Because he's he he's a legend. He's become a legend. Like the way he's leading, the closing these games, always making the right play, always making the uh that was kind of the talk tonight I saw when I was tracking what what the pundits were saying on Twitter is like when Jimmy Butler's not hitting shots. I think Mark Jackson made this point on the broadcast too. When he's not hitting shots, he's still playing so hard that he has like his fingerprints all over the game. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, 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 it's cool to see guys have that like arc of, and may, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Maybe uh, all of the uh, people listening to this are like, dude, I've always been a Jimmy Butler fan. Where have you been? Um, in which case I apologize, but that's been my interpretation of him is he's just kind of like a, if you're to list like all the 20 stars of NBA or like whatever, if you're to list NBA players, where would Jimmy Butler have fallen on your list of guys that you're pulling from your memory, you know? Yeah, it's probably bubble. top twenty-two, right? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Like, 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 I mean, seriously, like, giving a weird number like that, that might yeah. be like the answer. You say like a top yeah. twenty or a top twenty-two player or something like that. And but I'm, with yeah, yeah. no, it, I mean that that that's the like that's the weird situation that we're in because now there's some people that say that Jimmy should be you know first team All NBA. First we team All NBA, yeah. Uh, one <laughs> other thought on this Heat Celtics series, uh, Brad Stevens, as it turns out, might. Brad Stevens IU might have some momentum here. The way Brad Stevens is coaching against his own defense has that that would work well in Bloomington. Mm. <laughs> that is mm. a, that is a, he's following the footsteps of of IU coaches with the way this uh uh that was a convoluted joke to say that the the Miami Heat zone is just giving Boston fits. It's it's yeah. It's made me so much where I flipped the whole narrative where I think Coach Bolstra to Duke uh, is something that I'm seeing. Uh, You know, a lot of people are freaking out about, you know, Stevens to Duke, but I think Spolstra to Duke. I think uh, if anything, this is – I kind of went back to playoff history with with Stevens. He was going against LeBron right early on, and Mm -hmm. that's like a whole different game. And I think this is the first time where he's playing chess with another coach uh on a big stage and i think you know that's no shade to ty Lue or you know any of these other coaches that he was going up against but i i do think that spolstra is i mean like they were up 17 points in this game and it did not seem like the miami heat were panic at all they were trying to execute and then when they threw the zone out they threw the zone out because the raptors did and nick nurse did and yeah. there was a familiarity with seeing yeah. that the last and seeing how it affected the celtics and then stevens I mean, they didn't really have a counter move. And, like, in the game, you have a game plan. Everyone has a game plan. But everyone has a game plan until you get hit in the mouth. And when someone throws a zone and you don't know what to do against a zone, there needs to be some sort of adjustment there. And I think, if anything, we're going to see Stevens make those adjustments moving forward, which will be fun for the series. But I'm just having fun watching two coaches go at it because I think – 
That, that's re- I mean, obviously, we know about Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and all those guys, but Spolstra versus Stevens and like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder from Spolstra. After we got, after we got, yeah. uh, uh, we just got Nurse versus Stevens, now Stevens. Well, yeah, it, it's been, it's been definitely fun to watch. And I think, I imagine game three, uh, the Celtics might be ready for, for his own defense. Did you see Marcus Smart was yelling apparently in the locker room at somebody? That was the report after game two is that mm-hmm. Marcus Smart is a, uh, I, my sources were telling me he was he was yelling at his team to make shots. He was like, "Guys, we we stand no chance. We got to start making some shots here." And they're like, "Damn, Marcus." Thank I you. think if if you're Marcus Smart, you go to the media, and when they ask you who you're yelling at, you say yourself. And I think yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I think that's how you frame it. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. then people are like, "Wow, this guy really took the loss hard. Flipped uh, <laughs> the narrative on him. That's all it is." Speaking of narratives, the Los Angeles Clippers are frauds. Uh, mm. It's they they they've skyrocketed up the fraud power rankings. Uh, do you have and do we have any thoughts on like it's every every ounce of juice has been squeezed out of that that fruit of uh, talking about the Clippers being frauds? And I feel like at this point, what are we a couple of days removed? Like, is there anything we can say that's going to add to it? But uh, man, what it, I I didn't realize how funny I would think it was. It was all happening as the Clippers were losing. I I really felt like I was neutral on the clippers like i they're they're not likable by any stretch of the imagination but like i didn't hate it like i don't know it was like whatever you know guys are guys in the nba if, if we're going to start throwing stones at guys in the nba that are like prima donnas and starting unnecessary drama i mean what teams michael are porter be jr right? yeah i mean yeah. that's yeah, like, what <laughs> teams are gonna be left so like the, the 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 clippers being whatever they are i was you know it didn't really I wasn't like cross them off for that reason. But then as it was unfolding in game seven, unfolding, I'm just cackling on my couch like, oh my God, this is so good. I love this so much. <laughs> I will say this. One, you said Jimmy Butler when we leave the bubble, like he will probably be the, the winner of the bubble. I think the only person that has even a chance to be the, the Jimmy Butler per se on the other side of this is Jokic. And I say that because Jokic is basically – uh, Larry Bird, but a center. And I know that Popovich said that already, but I don't even think he knew what he meant when he said that because craftiness and being 7 2 and having no one be able to match up with you, and Montrez Harrell getting exposed because he can't match up with you, and Zubach yeah. getting exposed because he can't match up with you, and you having no answer on your deep quote unquote bench, and mm-hmm. the only answer really being Kawhi Leonard, who's already gassed from, mm-hmm. you know, trying to keep the, the, the team in the game. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I saw for the Clippers is that everyone wants to blame Doc. And if I'm Doc Rivers, I go to my assistants and I say, I understand you guys want to go get head coaching jobs, and that's kudos to you. But can someone help me? Like, can someone mm-hmm. yell something at me? Can someone say, hey, let's shake this up. Let's throw this look at these guys. Because as soon as Jokic started bringing the ball up, and they would wait to do this late in the game, and that's how they made all these comebacks. Jokic brings the ball up. They run this pick and roll with Jokic and Murray. There's no way to stop it. He's a 3D player. He can make any decision, or he's going to mm-hmm. get fouled. And he was just, I mean, basically the, the Nuggets offense became Jokic is dribbling around while all of them are running around just trying to get open. And then he finds them. And it's like, what do you do to stop that other than like try to make some sort of zone adjustment or whatever it may be? But they didn't do anything. Uh, I, I give all the kudos in the world to Mike Malone for yeah. basically saying uh, we have to do something. And like the, the something was Jokic. Like, and it was so out of the, I mean, it changes the five position. Like if I'm, if I am JaVale McGee, if I am Dwight Howard and I know that I have to guard Jokic, you can miss me with that. Like, I'm not going out there. Like I'm not, I'm not going no, out there and ruining my career. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, saying Anthony yeah. Davis can play the five and I yeah. don't know if Anthony Davis can guard Jokic. I mean, that's, that'll be the real test or LeBron may have to guard it, but regardless, Jokic 
is changing basketball, and it's going back to the bigs. I'm telling Jokic you, Jokic and Duncan Robinson have revolutionized the game of basketball. Jokic, Duncan Robinson was, you know, we'll give that to Steph Curry, but Jokic is actually like I think, like because Sabonis and Bill Walton and these guys they catch it in the post and pass. Mm-hmm. Like Larry Bird's dribbling around passing everybody. Like Jokic yep. is dribbling around passing everybody. He's in motion and he's finding seams and you can't really do anything because he has such a feel for the game and he moves so methodically and slowly and just out of normal pace that you're thrown off and he has no fear of these guys. And I think if anything that I learned from the Olympics, I know this is a long point, but there's anything I learned from the Olympics the last year uh, with American basketball and Greg Popovich and the Celtics going over there and embarrassing this country, this great country of basketball um, (laughs) was that the world is not afraid of American basketball anymore. And it's not even close. And the Serbians for sure, the Balkan boys definitely aren't afraid of American basketball. And Goran Dragic is not afraid of anyone that he's going to play for the rest of the playoffs. I mean, he's just not, Jokic is not concerned about anyone, maybe LeBron, but not really because the pressure is on him. And I find that fascinating just from the vantage point of like the NBA could solely change where we look at Western Conference Finals for the next eight to ten years and it's Jokic versus Luka. And that is so different from what people expect, which is like Kawhi versus LeBron and, you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors. Like it could be the Nuggets and Jamal Murray and Jokic, two international players taking on Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, two international players. And that could be the West. And And I, I, I don't think that would be bad for basketball. I think that would be a great show and I think that's what has changed so much like I'm not upset at Jokic I'm not pulling yeah. against Jokic I'm not like I want the American Lakers to beat this international team I'm like man I'm enjoying this yeah. how do you stop this this is something new I am uh, as a guy who came up and and had my basketball the height of my basketball career was during basically the Allen Iverson era of basketball where that was like what you thought was great basketball <laughs> was like you got to be Allen Iverson Kobe Bryant those yeah. those I saw I'm, I'm 14 years old in the 2001 NBA Finals watching Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant and Shaq was obviously great but like you can't replicate Shaq you can't teach kids to be Shaq because <laughs> you can't teach kids to be that big so you're like watching Kobe and, and Iverson you're like all right so that's what I, I should emulate that. And then I look down at myself and I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> and uh, I hit a, I, I am very, very, I, I, what I'm saying Tate is you can make the argument that I was just before my time, my basketball grounds. <laughs> I That's what I learned so from much. all the former NBA yeah. players. Whenever you ask them about like their, uh, yeah. their era, they're like, if I played today's game. If I game, played today, <laughs> God damn it, dude, it would be so much better. Like I, I just put myself back in my shoe. I'm 14 years old. And I'm watching Luka and Jokic and, and these guys play. And, and, and I have that template. I look at that and I'm like, like again, Jokic, part of what makes both these guys good, they are huge. Like Luka mm-hmm. and Jokic are big dudes. It's not like they're 6'3 guys out there doing this stuff. So there is a lot of physical, even though people talk about their slow foot speed and they're out of shape and all that, like they still have physical advantages. If Jokic still, gets in shape, if he gets yeah, like in prime yeah. shape, like a Bismack Biombo, like ripped up shape, there's no it's stopping the man. It's a wrap. But, it's a wrap. It's already a wrap. But it's I'm already saying, a wrap. I, I, God damn it, dude! It would have been so nice to have that as an example to point to to look at that and be like, I could be that because all I had was like Larry Bird on YouTube and my dad. But but like my dad had so much reverence for Larry Bird that he was like, you can never be Larry. But no one can ever be Larry Bird, Mark. So don't even try. And mm-hmm. Pistol Pete, like those were the two. Yeah, those were Pistol the two Pete, Michael that, like, Jordan, like that, yeah. that. Like I'm not gonna yeah. be Pistol yeah. Pete or Michael Jordan. You know, like I dribbled around the neighborhood all day and night like that, like with two basketballs, like Pistol Pete. My but dad, I still wasn't yeah. gonna be. Pistol yeah. Pete. My dad, I'm, I'm out in the back shooting. I'm watching Bird YouTubes, and I'm out in the back, like, trying to be Larry Bird. My dad comes out. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Dad, I saw Bird do this move. I'm trying to do this move. He's like, son, 
you'll never be Larry Bird. Give it up. And then he turns around and walks in, and I'm like, thanks, what? Dad. <laughs> that didn't actually happen. Uh, Dad listened to the show. Yeah, Bill Tonight's like, I would never say that. I would never say that. Uh, man, it would be so great to have these guys as an example. Yeah, I, I'm glad, uh, to the larger point, I'm glad that you showered praise on the Nuggets because um, – the, the Nuggets deserve praise because all the all the talk is about the Clippers choked and their frauds and, and all that stuff. And, and we should point out that, like, the Nuggets are – this isn't a fluke. I mean, they're, they're coming back from down 3-1, so it sort of feels a little fluky. But, like, Jamal Murray – like we said, Jamal Murray has been compared to Michael Jordan in these playoffs. Yeah. He's and Jerry West. As as yeah, Jerry But those are, like, the names they're throwing out. He's doing things that these guys are doing. And Jokic is being compared to Larry Bird. And they're not as good as those two guys. But, like, the fact that you're even, like, throwing the names around and I don't mean you and I, I mean like guys that are actually not hot take artists and have reverence for those guys are, are saying these things. It shouldn't be that shocking that they're in the Western conference finals. Right. But people are like, Oh my God, how is this happening? And this is, this is ridiculous. And, uh, that they, part of it's not ridiculous. Yeah. And they played against the trailblazers in a game seven last year that basically Jamal Murray was known for choking in that game. And then the Blazers, Blazers went on and got swept by the Warriors, right? right? So, like, they weren't that far away from being in the conference finals right, last year. Right here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, oh. it's not that foreign of a situation. And, again, Jokic is the, the, the one. Like, right now, if I had to, like, put money on anyone that I'm, like, the next 10 years of basketball, like, it's, it's Luka or it's Jokic. You're saying the league's in good hands? I'm saying not only is the league in good hands, but American basketball is in bad hands. It is. And, oh, uh, boy. And I, uh, I want to figure that out. Yeah. Um, I'm, AAU. I'm, Blame AAU. That's what we'll do. Thank God you 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 got the Nuggets part out of the way because now we can talk about the Clippers before we wrap the show up. Uh, they're frauds. I, I I just want to get to the what I would the 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 thing yeah yeah. Was, give, give give us the take. Yeah. I want the fraud power rankings. We got to revisit them. These are becoming hot in the streets. People are tweeting at me. They're they're hitting me up. My brother's texting me about it. Like, mm. where's the where are you at with the fraud power rankings right now? Um, Thank you, Ryan Titus. We yeah, this. yeah. Everybody's everybody. It's all anyone's talking about is the fraud yeah. power rankings. And my God, we have a lot of candidates. How do we, how did the, I was, I was trying to get KOC involved. He didn't really want to bite on, on the bait. I threw him. Um, so then I, I bid on it myself and I kind of threw out like as game sevens unfolding, how I saw That's probably my favorite party. tightest bit of our, our time together. It's like, it was sometimes when you ask me things, I'm like, this exercise is for Titus at his mind right now. He's yeah, going to figure yeah. this out. So yeah, fraud I'll power rankings. It. Yeah. Figure fraud it out. power rankings. Like it just kind of came about, like I was just, I don't know. And, and we're here now. So we're, as, as the dust is settled, I've had time to process how the Clippers have choked. Mm. Uh, and, and boy, what a choke it was. I, I not, not reactionary, not off the cuff. I think it is fair to say that this is the biggest choke job in NBA history. It has to be. You're up 3-1. You're up like 19. You're basically up 20 in two separate games to close it out. Your, your two stars score zero points in the fourth quarter of games. On down the line. I mean, my God. You're the Vegas favorites. This didn't happen in the finals like because I, I see you. I, the LeBron hater you are. I see you licking your lips wanting to bring up 2011, which – by all means, oh, I, I was going to bring up 2016, which was a LeBron That's lover a situation. Big show. See, yeah. yeah, 2016. But even, even then, the you're in the show. finals. Like at least you're like at the dance. Yeah, like, yeah, true. The Clippers true. crashed the car on the way to the dance. <laughs> they weren't even. And, and they quit. They didn't even, have their, they, they they didn't didn't even have try their, to change yeah. the tire. Like they yeah, just yeah, left yeah, the car. Right. They were just, just like let the car, the car. Right. Let it blow right. up. Yeah. <laughs> It was unbelievable to watch it on fire. I was like, I was stunned. That's why I think I was laughing so hard. I was like, I cannot believe that these guys are are, are quitters like this. Uh, so here's here's how it stands. Here's the official fraud power rankings as of September 17th. Number one, still got to lock it in with Giannis. Still has okay. to be Giannis. Back to back MVPs. You almost get swept in the second round. It's got to be Giannis. He has not. He's not won anything. He has not been to the finals yet. Um, he's 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 got to be number one on the fraud power rankings. Uh, number two is Doc Rivers. 
Doc Rivers is officially, I'm locking him in at number two. This guy, uh, because you can, you can point the finger at Kawhi. You can point the finger at Paul George. It all comes down to the effort these guys were given. And the coach can only do so much, but the coach can do something, Tate. And you got to, like, if you're Doc Rivers, how do you let this happen? How is your team up 19 points in, in a closeout game? And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm putting my college basketball spin on the NBA, but like in college basketball, the coach calls timeout. He motherfucks his players. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and they play hard. Or like they play a little harder or whatever, but there was none of that. Doc Rivers, like he's getting interviewed in the, the before the fourth quarter thing. He's like, we just got to make shots and get stops. That's what the name of the game. And you're like, are you shitting me, Doc? Like that's your, that's where we've arrived with this. He's blown how many three, one leads at this point in his career. He's, he's, I, I forget all the stats. Like I said, the, 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 these have been, beaten ad nauseum like you know the case against doc rivers but uh i put this on doc rivers i, I think doc rivers if, if we're looking at the the it's doc rivers paul george Kawhi. who's the biggest fraud of the three it's got to be doc rivers it's got to be like even the celtics the way they talk about the celtics run you would think the celtics won six straight titles you, you think they had the, the double three p that mm-hmm. the bulls had in the 90s they won one title they were lucky to get the one like it, it, doc rivers is number two he's got to be number two <laughs> Okay, so, I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right, we'll keep it moving. As long as he wasn't number one. Yeah, yeah he's fine. not number one. Giannis has to be number one until he, he wins some, until he at least makes the finals. Number three is Westbrook. <laughs> Russell Westbrook has to be – like because he was not just bad. He was like – there was never – what was the defining Russell Westbrook moment of the bubble? What was the moment where you're like, okay, Westbrook, he's got a little guest still left in the tape. I don't even remember it. Was when it he was one? about to was... fight Rondo's brother. Yeah, that's, what right. I, that's what I was like. He's got a little bit of gas left. I like Say it. what you want about the other guys that have, are, are inconsistent. Like, at least there were moments where you're like, all right, there it is. That's the guy. That's why mm. we believed in him at that one point. Westbrook was horrible. They're, the Lakers are leaving him wide open. He's an MVP. He's never won anything as well. He'd been the one final. Like, Westbrook, he's got to be number three on the list. And, and I don't hate Westbrook, but you're a fraud. Um, mm. <laughs> number four, Paul George. Paul George has to be number four on the fraud power rankings. Uh, this is this is he, he, he. I've moved him up since. Uh, I'm 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 making this segment way too long. I know. I can no, I, I'm I'm just thinking about Paul George right now and how upset he is. Because I had Kawhi above Paul George because I felt like more is expected of Kawhi than Paul George. So like, if if you're gonna pin this on a player, it has to fall on Kawhi because you're Kawhi. You're Kawhi Leonard. You are the difference. You're the guy that everyone says is the best player in the world, the playoff guy that we all want. All that. How can you score zero points, Kawhi? But someone pointed this out to me, and I forget, I forget your Twitter username, so I want to apologize that I'm not giving you proper credit. But someone pointed out to me, the reason Kawhi sucks is Paul George's fraud, fraudulence, fraud, fraudulence? It's a ripple effect. Is wearing off on Kawhi. So Kawhi is just getting the residual Paul George fraud. And so it, it all, all roads lead to Paul George in terms of the players on the Clippers. And I, I buy into that. So I put Paul George at four. Kawhi is at five. Uh, and then Siakam is at six. I, I bumped Siakam down. Congratulations, Pascal Siakam. You sucked. You, you boy, did you suck? But you didn't choke. You weren't like like this is you know. I, I don't think Siakam is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I, it makes sense in my brain. Like not not as much was expected of Siakam. We weren't talking about Siakam as like. Is this guy MJ? Is this guy mm-hmm. LeBron? Is this guy like we were with Kawhi? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's six. Uh, I got Harden at seven. Same sort of thing. Like Harden, <laughs> Harden blew it. Harden, you know, we have a lot of data points that Harden sucks and he chokes and, and his style of play can't work in the playoffs. And uh, I don't mean to make excuses for the guy. I don't. I just think that, that we kind of know who Harden is at this point. I don't, I don't hear people talking about Harden as like one of the all-time Pantheon greats, you know? Like we all know he's like really good, but he's not like a legendary 
No, he's like he's that, getting right? the Tracy McGrady treatment, which yeah, is he's, he's like, like we can include him when we decide we want to include him, but yeah. for the most part, we keep him out of the conversation. I thought going into these playoffs that James Harden was a very, very, very good player who was a great scorer. Uh, I still think that coming out of the playoffs. So like I have it, you know, I'm not whereas Kawhi, like Kawhi's reputation took a big hit. That's why I have to put him above Harden. Uh and then number eight, I'm throwing Nick Nurse for not playing Matt Thomas. How do you play a seven game series and not give Matt Thomas any run whatsoever to speak of? Absolutely disgusting. And knocking on the door to round out the fraud power rankings. I don't have him on the list. He's not on the list. I got to make that clear. Honorable mention. Not even an honorable mention. Just uh, the committee is keeping their eyes on him after tonight. I hate to say it. Boy, it pains me to say it, but I would not be doing my journalistic duties if I didn't say it. We're keeping an eye on Brad Stevens. Oh, I love that. The fraudulent power rankings are are – we're, we're monitoring the situation that's unfolding with Brad Stevens. So mm. I, I don't want to do it, but you know, that's not how it works. It's not, it's not what I want. It's, it's who's a fraud. That's what <laughs> it's who's a fraud. And honestly, if I were to package it all up and say, who was my fraud power rankings, it would be the Clippers assistant coaches. And that would be Tyler, <laughs> Sam Cassell. Uh, Cause if you watch that, I rewatch game seven. Cause uh, the Clippers knew that they lost at the nine minute mark in the fourth quarter. That's when they quote unquote quit in my mind. And uh, the reason that they quit is because they looked over on the bench. They're already down 12 points or eight points at that point. They look over. Jokic is still on the bench. They're like, he's going to come in here and run pick and roll on us. And he's yeah. going to score at will. So, like, we're already behind the eight ball. And we're going to have this other guy come in to close us out. So, we're definitely going to lose. So, they just kind of, like, gave up. And if you look at the Clippers bench, I mean, like, they just were sitting there like this. Yeah, yeah, they're like, and they're waiting for the they're waiting for the head coach. Is it over yet? Job. Can I go get a head coach now? Or do the I nugget a... the nugget assistant coaches me while they're playing defense over there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're like they're like down on the ground shouting ideas uh, to Mike Malone. And I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I understand a staff has to be put together, and you want to have guys like a Ty Lue and a Sam Cassell. But if you're Doc Rivers, you almost want to have someone that's like a Tom Thibodeau that's not afraid to kind of jerk you by the neck a little bit and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, let's let's lock it up here. Like, what are we yeah. doing?" And I, and I think yeah. I think what everyone's trying to be nice to each other and like you know democratically put themselves in good situations to get other jo- coaching jobs i respect that i like that but i wish somebody would have gone after doc because i think doc is a really good coach but i think that doc is looking at a Jokic pick and roll like we like someone from the 90s would which is like you can't stop that guy like you really can't stop that play like it's really that hard montrez like you don't have any more pride than that you can't figure that out mm-hmm. and and i think like that being a former player can be a detriment because it comes back to like you know that moment in time where it's like I that could never be me like right. I could never I, have yeah, I could yeah, never yeah. have Jamal yeah. Murray work me like this I could never yeah. have Jokic make me look stupid throwing passes over his head yeah. not even looking like I could never have that you know what would happen if I if if, yeah. if I was on the Hawks and we played Jokic in the '80s I would have guarded him better guys yeah no I mean but but even saying <laughs> yeah. like it, like we're talking about like motherfucking him like bringing over that team yeah. and Lou Will and trying to motherfuck them into playing well. I don't think that works either. And I think that's, yeah. sort of, that's sort of the problem with that Clippers team was like there is no person that can jer- – like Marcus Smart did tonight with the Cl- with the Celtics. There's nobody that can just go absolutely ape shit on the team and yeah. everyone be like, you know what? Marcus is right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like like Marcus Morris probably did, and they were like, damn, yeah, Marcus is not right. Yeah, freeze, like, freeze him out. Yeah, don't give him the ball. Screw yeah, that guy. Montrez yeah. is not right. Like Montrez yeah. is yelling at us, but he's not doing anything on defense. So like if right. Paul Jordan's getting yelled at by him, he's like – Look, I know I'm hitting the side of the backboard, but like you're not doing anything either. So it is what it is. I love I love the way off P nickname. I, I it's I a great name. Whoever whoever coined that. that. Yeah. God bless you. That's great. Yeah, you did uh it. all right. Enough about that. Let's let's close this thing out. Shout outs, closeouts. What do you got? 
Uh, shout out to Marquette University. I've had so many Marquette people reach out to me because our program has upset them over the years. Uh, <laughs> and I and I wanted to take this time to one say I would love to find a Marquette correspondent. Uh, so so we'll just put mm. that out in the ether. Two, Doc Rivers went to Marquette. Three, Ooh, yep. so did Jimmy Butler. Um, so we'll end on a high note. So shout out to Marquette, and uh, that, so that did, just shows uh, the range. So did Tommy Callahan, right? The uh, Tommy boy, Chris Farley went to Marquette. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. What you go for eight years? Is that what the joke was? That was I a lot think of guys. Was, yeah, go to, yeah. seven, whatever with number one. Yeah, yeah the Van Water. I can't remember if it's Van Water seven or it's eight, but sounds right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people go to school for eight years. Yeah, they're called <laughs> doctors. Join us next week when we recite <laughs> classic comedy lines to you guys and just completely butcher them. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Kevin Stallings. We had Aaron Neesmith mm. on the podcast. He played at Vanderbilt. Uh, we did not ask him about Kevin Stallings because Tate and I, we made an executive decision and we, we, we realized that Aaron Neesmith is too young to probably even like. He doesn't he, even know. Two coaches removed from Stallings at this point. And I just wanted to say, Kevin, we've not forget, forgotten about you. We love you. We hope you're out there watching your son play for the Pirates and, and living a great life. We hope you're living your best life. And uh, mm. we, we will always love you. And the, the, it's an open invitation to come on the show whenever Please. you want. Um, so if anybody can get Kevin Stallings on the program, Goddamn, I would love that so much. <laughs> I would love it so much. And uh, Jacob Stallings, if you're listening, please make that happen. And yep. uh, we should also say uh, shout out to just the idea that Kevin Stallings could be in the ether at Vanderbilt. I just like the idea that like he somehow, if we asked Aaron, he'd be like, oh, I know Stallings. Yeah, you know, like people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's all I can hope. That's the guy. Uh, that, yeah, I saw. I saw. Like, is that the guy? I saw his name carved into a stall in the locker room. Is that his like, baseball bat that he left here yeah, with yeah. blood on it? Uh, I want to shout out uh, Corey Evans from Rivals. He has been hired by the Oklahoma City Thunder. He, if you recognize his name, maybe it's because we just talked about how he flipped his prediction of Sky Clark mm. from Kentucky to North Carolina. That was his last act as a recruiting analyst date as he flipped the Sky Clark prediction and then he got out the door. He's now uh, been hired by the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is He joins a long line of like recruiting slash journalist types. Like uh, Evan Daniels went to CAA recently. Mm-hmm. Dave Tellett back in the day went to the Spurs. Um, Luke Wynn, right? Luke Wynn went to the Raptors yeah. from Sports Illustrated. Kirk Goldsberry's on the Spurs staff, I think still, right? No, he came back. He's at ESPN. He came back. Oh, yeah. He's at Kirk, ESPN. Kirk, Kirk's. Uh, uh, he was on Sports Center tonight. Actually, I can never. I like. I'll be honest. Like Kirk is always like when he was with the Spurs. All of his he never stopped tweeting. So it was always like you know you never really followed. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know it was like always the same. Like he kind of was pumping out the same content. So I yeah, yeah. The shot charts are still coming yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Hollinger also went to the Grizzlies. Don't forget about yep. that guy. Uh, so yeah. uh, the trade machine. What yeah. what I'm saying is that the the precedent has been set. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a job out there for you and I after all. Maybe oh. there's a way. Oh, we'll Make see. Make Chicago State again. Yeah. I don't know. Well, if we'll not, uh, ESPN, this is my last shout-out, ESPN is getting a lot better. Uh, people down where I'm from, we call it DSPN these days, the Duke, uh, you know, sports program <laughs> network. And now they have Vince Carter uh, adding into mm, the ret- repertoire. Mm-hmm. And Vince Carter is also going to be doing college basketball. I will say that again. Vince Carter is going to be doing college basketball. He's our competition, dude. He works no, for the He's, the he's what we guys. call Jay Billis's perfect replacement. And uh, oh, I see okay. the writing on the wall. And I can't wait for it to flip back to the good guys. And finally, this period of darkness at ESPN with Duke coverage may be over. Shout out South Park coming back uh, September 30th. <laughs> With a one-hour pandemic special, I know we're excited about that. We should do it. Should we do like a South Park thing? Let's episode? do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we kind of should. Like, should we plan that? What, what would that be? What is that? Is that when is the thirtieth? Let me pull out my calendar here so I have a understanding of what the hell I'm signing up for. <laughs> the thirtieth is Wednesday, so like 
Uh, yeah, and like we could do it on Thursday on the, yeah, on the Tuesday, on or like we watch it, or we, or we do one leading up to it, where it's like uh, South Park characters as college basketball coaches or whatever. Or something. Yeah, let's do that. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. We do a show like that. Yeah, South Park's coming back. Shout out to them. Oh, I forgot about this. If mm. I I I, for, I meant to tease it at the top of the show. God damn it! You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this. <laughs> this is the announcement. I swear this is it. We're we're ending the show after this. Uh, here's the announcement. I am officially on cameo whoa <laughs> wow after after literal years it felt like years literal months of making fun of greg odin for being on cameo because it's just ridiculous and and we went to the we did the live show in durham and we watched i, I went out to dinner with greg and he's just like at dinner shooting these cameos yeah and i was like this is the most absurd shit i've ever seen the tide has turned and i i have i've joined the bad guys i'm officially on cameo you can book me on cameo the reason i'm doing this is because i want to raise money for the scholarship the club trillion foundation scholarship so the money's going to that i have moses is also a pack it's a package deal so wow. if, That's if you want to book us on cameo mm-hmm. and you just want me to like have moses do tricks i'll spit ice cubes into moses's mouth for you uh, we'll try to get Moses to speak, do trade, whatever it is. As long as you're giving me money, I'll do just about anything. What, what's your price? <laughs> what, what's the cameo price? Oh, Greg's I paid, $50. That, this was, so I'll be honest. This was, this was one of the big sticking points because the cameo people reached out to me. As soon as we started making fun of Greg for it, they reached out and they're like, dude, you should join. It'd be great. And I've been kicking the can down the road. I'm like, come on, I'm not doing that. And the big hangup was like trying to figure out a price because you go too low. You're, it's a bad look if you're like a dollar ninety nine for a cameo. Like people are, are roasting your ass. Also, if I come out of the gate and I'm like seventy five dollars, please. Everyone's like, who the hell does this guy think he is? I I toiled with it. I didn't know what price. You said Greg charges fifty, and then it, it hit me. I wore jersey number thirty four. The answer right there, right oh, in front of my face the whole time. So I did thirty four dollars. So I it might it seems a little high to me. Twenty five. At least there's what, a reason. Yeah, twenty five was the bottom that I would let you do it for. Like if yeah, you were, if you told yeah. me you're doing it for fifteen dollars, I'd be like you're getting off cameo tonight. Well, the, my take home. I think my take home is twenty five dollars. So I think that there's that too. Like I think oh, like my nice like after after the get, fees and things. Yeah, after yeah. the fees and all that. I think every cameo I do, I'll get twenty five dollars. So it all works out. But thirty four because it was my jersey number and all that. But yeah, it's uh, I've I've sold out. I've officially sold out. In, in these unprecedented times, you have to do anything for money, and uh, I will now be wishing happy birthday to your uncle Carl. <laughs> for $25 a pop. <laughs> Thank you. That'll be great. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I will say this, like when I was at the ringer yeah, with yeah. cameo, they were reaching out to us for OSP and I didn't know what cameo was at the time. Completely ignored the whole thing. And then, yeah. you know, like you said, we went to Durham, I, Greg yeah, just raking I in the cash. And you're like, what is this again? Huh? It's one of those things that, uh, <laughs> I, I, as of right now, as we're coming out of the gate, I'm officially just doing it for the bit for the, for the lulls. It's not, I'm not serious. It's all, it's all just a joke. It's guys. A joke. I'm not taking as, it seriously. As the money starts coming in i'm gonna be like oh my god yeah do i work for cameo wait (laughs) (laughs) like what uh all right that's the show thanks for listening thank you to aaron neesmith again for joining us thank you guys uh sports are back big 10 basketball big 10 football that's all i care about but take cares about it too you're you're excited the big 10's back in a minute um (laughs) i will see you guys next week